0: And the Lord will bless you, Janet Lee, and bless you and bless you because you are so faithful to produce the same quality and the same goodness of sound and same spirit that I feel. And hello, everybody out there. Today is Sunday, March 27th, the year 2016. And this is es- Exodus Escape. Number 22, via the vestige, that is the Sila adventure, where the army, the church, and the flying of those entities who preach the gospel in the skies meet. Many people are not aware of the scriptures, and it takes a little searching to find them, that tells the story how that there were ancient ones that would, at designated times, meet in a special place and they would come together. You can sort of see a little gleaming of that in the wise persons that met together and went out to find the Messiah that was to be born called the wise persons. And this is something that has just been going on on and on in the courses of the history of time where people have found places to meet to share the deep insights and the wisdom of God. So in our our letter sent out to the people, it speaks about the meeting. Puts it in the category of a vestige. That sort of a Mysterious aspect of the tracings of the, of the markings of the, of the signs and the codes that are left, whereby there is always something that speaks about these mysterious times. And it is called by us a SELA, S-E-L-A-H adventure. The army; these were the little over six hundred thousand. Uh, young men that represented the father ministry that went out of Egypt. The church representing that aspect that included the the Ark of the Covenant and those Levites that were in attendance to it and other people that went there not as army personnel, but as helpers. And then, those flying entities, the angels, the 20,000 plus angels mentioned in the 68th chapter, 17th verse of Psalms, that flew their ziths in the skies of which the Bible describes in the book of Revelation preaching the everlasting gospel in the skies. And then, so the writing goes on. When the songs of Sela were finished playing by the angels of the Ziths, in the Petra, the Sila Heights, the Sila Rock Heights, the song did not cease. For even now, its sounds can still be heard by many minds. I do not doubt. I do not doubt because I know because I have heard those sounds and they're still available today in energy dots and in messages that are inscribed in resonances that will be around forever. And it goes on. inasmuch it's much that the essential and general makeup of the human brain is for the processing of information which, even if the brain was a particular brain of a scientist, the brain can barely, if at all, make sense of immortality. To really hear the song of Sila, persons must realize, then learn to use and develop the mind of their spirit. I want you to hang on to those words, because I'm going to talk about that this morning. This angel of the presence concept, this angel of the presence reality, You've got to learn to use and develop the mind of your spirit. The mind of the spirit can dwell in timelessness and think in the orchestrations of unceasingly beautiful things far beyond the human mortal animal. Angels in their first presence and even to a powerful extent, angels in their second and third presence can circuit circuit the world of high thoughts that are generators that can make wishes come true. The Bible speaks how that when the body and its brain are in the sleep mode, that God visits in dreams and visions, instructional things. There does exist divine consciousness. The journey of the Exodus escape breathes that time thoughts from divine consciousness. There are laws of mechanics, laws of conduction and bonding and laws that supervise actions. But none of these laws can approach God's burning, yearning, and consuming love. A person set free in God's love is a person who has learned how to fly with the wings of destiny. The Lord is called in the Bible, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, meaning this is from the Tetragrammaton, the four letters, the Yah and the Yah, is called in the Bible the branch. The beauty of branching out in one's mind is the ministry of standing on the sea of crystal and singing the songs of Zion. Described in the Bible's book of Revelation, the branching ability takes you outside the core of internal struggles for survival and allows you to be in, in for unforgettable moments as an active member of the orchestra that plays the songs of the beauty of holiness. A new definition of who you are is abounding. The ancient you is not the mortal you now are, which is bound in the prison of chains of molecular bindings. However, the body you now wear is not junk. It is a vessel of necessity. Nonetheless, when your memory of the one who you really are is fully returned to your consciousness, you will be in line to... Enter an exodus escape of the higher kind. Branch out and join me listening to the gathering of the angels over the Sela, Rockies of Petra and Mount Sinai. As you advance from stage to stage, disturbances will interfere with you less and less. One day you will be able to explore the complexities of life with simplistic ease. There is a star rise waiting to allow you the view of views. In the mortal world, a person's far horizon is limited to his life span gauge at the speed of light. But in the spiritual world, the speed of light is even slower than the speed of spiritual walking. In such words, if such words seem to have a belonging to zero worth, Beware to not toss zeros away without realizing that some zeros may belong to the family of the needle's eye that allows all things to be possible. Let's go forward to the dance floor and dance the dance that reverses the direction of time. Surely Exodus Escape 22 broadcasts is here right now being relayed and shared in the words of purple in the words of scarlet in a threading of verses of thought that do not belong to a creation by this world well this is a special remembrance day and i want to read about it from the book of first corinthians Chapter 15, beginning 1 through 8. Moreover, brethren and sisters, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered unto you First of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present But some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James. Then of all the apostles. And last of all. He was seen of me also. As one born. Out of due time. Or due season. Well. That is the beautiful thing. So beautiful. So absolutely beautiful. You see, we live in a world that makes a general mistake in reasoning. Not only to a great extent in many of the churches, but for sure to a great extent even in the scientific and technological world. In the New Testament, it is written, and I will paraphrase it. The reason there are people that don't believe is to some extent because they can't see God. There is recently this lady minister, and I think it's the United Church, where she is trying to teach that, you know, there is no god that is manifested to people in a physical vivid and real sense and that those things are just not true things they just they just don't happen and she really believes that well I thought if I had the chance to talk to that lady, I would show her what her problem is, why she is teaching that and believing that, and what the adjustment is that would explain why that she is caught up in that confusion and what element of it has an aspect of truth and what element of it has an aspect of air and it all has to do with not understanding about the spirit and there are things that we have to get straight we have to understand that every human down here on earth has a calling and that our callings differ one from another. And the Bible says there are differences of administration, but it's still the same spirit. And in Timothy 1.9 it says that these callings have been given to us before the world began. So if you think that somehow that you are a person who has just accidentally fumbled into your calling, that's a grave error. This calling that you have is destiny. And it was given to you, the Bible says in Timothy 1.9, before the world began. And in 1 Corinthians 2.7, it says that spiritual wisdom, not earthly wisdom, was ordained by God before the world to our glory. So there are things that we are supposed to know. There is a calling that has been given to us. And both of these two things. The wisdom that we are to learn. That we are to know. That we are to have available. And the understanding of what the calling is. And what it's about. were both. Initiated for us to come into and to have the insight of and the awareness of before this world ever begun. Now, I said this thing about how that there are a lot of people that don't believe because they can't see God. They've never seen God. Well that's correct. You can't see God. And you gotta get that straight. If you don't get it straight, you're gonna be all all goofed up. Someone says, Yeah, but we, we you know people have seen Jesus Christ. They've seen Jesus Christ. But that's not seeing the invisible God. If Jesus was the invisible God, then they wouldn't be able to see him because he'd be invisible. And the Bible says that the word became flesh. So that means that there was a change that happened. And that's in first, that's in the Gospel of John, the first chapter. That means that the word was one thing, and then it had the energy, it had the capability, it had the power, it had the transforming operational ability to then go from being a word into becoming manifested as a fleshly body. And that's why in Hebrews it tells us how that things like faith can become the substance. They really are the substance of things hoped for. Things that you want to believe in, things that you need to have. That word, that faith can be transferred but that doesn't mean that, that the word and the state are equal, that it, be, that, that it transfers into, and people don't get that right. They think it's one and the same thing. Well, it does have a sameness to it because of the aspect of the transformation, but you've got to get this down. Jesus said, you need to know one thing, disciples. I have to go away. And they said, Why? We're doing fine. He said, Jesus basically said, No, we're not. And he says, Here's why I have to go away. If I don't go away, the Holy Ghost cannot come. Now, what he meant by that, because the Holy Ghost is is everywhere, and it's especially in every human. And it's that that kingdom of God within that in the, fir- the first chapter of John says that every person born in the world is born with with that light, which is the which is uh, the light of God, the Holy Ghost. And people have to understand that they don't understand it. And that's why so many people all over the world are confused. If I don't go away, the Holy Ghost doesn't come. John had it right. John the Baptist. I must decrease. He must increase. Now that was on one level. Jesus took it to another level. I in the physical body must decrease. The Holy Ghost must increase. In 1 Timothy 6.16 and along that same line in Hebrew 12.14 It says, No man hath seen God or can see God. You got to get that down. You got to get that down. No man has seen God. That means Paul never saw God. That means the disciples never saw God. That means Moses did not see God. Not God. Who is the invisible God who never leaves the first domain? And the only way his presence leaves the first domain is as a ghost. And that ghost is a Holy Ghost. If you don't get that and you don't understand that, you're still a baby in the Word, you're still just sucking on a milk bottle. I want you to get changed today. I want you to get transformed today on this resurrection day. I want you to listen to the word that I have to say because it is truth. And that truth will set you free. In Timothy four twenty-two, here was one of the, the prayers that Paul wrote to Timothy. And it was a it was a prayer request. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. If you don't get that down, you're missing the boat. Your boat doesn't have a rudder. Your boat doesn't have an anchor. And your boat doesn't have a sail. And your boat doesn't have a propelled motor. Propelling motor. You've got to get the Jesus Christ thing into your spirit. Just being into your physical body with ideology, doctrines and concepts, is not good enough. That's why Paul wrote and said, laying aside the principles, the principles are the foundations of the doctrines of Jesus Christ. Let us go on to perfection as incredible as those things were, as, as magnificent as those doctrines were, they did not reach the obtainment point of a perfection that was not of this world, that belonged to what we were ordained and called for that happened before this world ever begun. I say to you, as Paul said, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And I think before this day is out, some of you people are going to get into it. You've got to get something down. You've got to get it down. you got to get it down. Da- you need it down today. First Corinthians 15.50 Flesh and blood cannot inherit The kingdom of God. I don't care how much you wash it. I don't care how much you purge it. I don't care how fancy you dress it. I don't care how many crowns you put on it or how many good deeds you do. You got to get this one thing straight. If you don't believe this, you don't believe the Bible. 1 Corinthians 15.50, flesh and blood. Now, do you have any flesh and blood? Is that part of what it is to be a mortal, to be a human? Of course. Is that part of your brain? Of course. Is that part of all the molecular aspects and all your genome? Of course. But you've got to get this down. Flesh and blood cannot, cannot <clears throat> Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now they're doing all kinds of things. To make life. Where people can live longer. It won't be long before people will be living 140 years. And then they'll be living longer than that. And they've even got now intelligent shoes. And intelligent clothing coming out. <clears throat> if this little boy. That just recently died and drowned, drowned in a in, in a, a water area. Had been wearing the kind of shoes that they have available that have a a GPS built in their shoe. That anywhere you go, it right now can show on a on a screen wherever you are as a human being from your shoes. Wherever you're at, right that moment, your shoes will tell right exactly where you're at. Give the GPS. They've, they've, got, they've got all kinds of, of things that they can do. And people are just missing out. They just don't know. They just haven't got it. They don't realize all of the possibilities that are going on in this world today. They've got they've got clothing that that does all kinds of incredible things, and it has it records the motion of the, of, of walking, and and creates energies from that motion from that motion that are transferred to the body and they can vibrate your feet uh it, it whichever foot is the coldest it'll go to that vibrate and and heat that foot they can tell if that foot is walking out a uh, one of them is walking at a wrong angle and all kinds of things i don't have the time to talk about today but it's a different kind of world that's coming up out there But here's what you've got to realize. If you don't realize this, you don't understand about God. God is a spirit. And they that worship him now must do something. Now this is in the book of John. And I'm going to turn to it because it's it's so important. It's so very, very important. This is chapter 4. And Verse twenty four and here's what it says. Now get a hold of this and get it down. God is a spirit. Now when Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he had a spirit, but he wasn't a spirit. When Jesus was preaching on the Mount of Olives Olives, he had a spirit, but he wasn't a spirit. There's a different declaration there. See, human beings are sort of turned inside out because the first presence is really the spirit presence. But the way it is right now, the first presence as mortals is the physical presence, even to the point that the Bible says that the spirit is subject to the prophet, which means that the physical presence can have dominance over the spirit to suppress it. And that's what people have got to get around. They've got to be able to, they've got to get around suppressing the spirit, even subconsciously and ignorantly. Now I want you to hang in here and I want you to listen to this teaching today. This is a salvation teaching and this is a taking you up Jacob's ladder God is a spirit, capital S. And they that worship him must, M-U-S-T. That's not a maybe. That's not an if, a a but, or a propositional. You want to worship God, you have to worship him, be in a spirit. You must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, you got to know what that truth means. If you don't know what that truth means, then you don't have the story. And most people don't have the story. They think, oh, truth just means it's not a lie. That's not what it's talking about. That's not what it's talking about at all. You see, the spirit and truth is very, very important. John 8, 32 says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. What's it talking about? It's talking about receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost and expanding it to where you need to be. Because the Bible says in John 14, 17, the spirit of truth is the Holy Ghost. John 15, 26, the comforter is the spirit of truth. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth has come, talking about the Holy Ghost. The spirit of truth, ladies and gentlemen, is the Holy Ghost. So when it says that you must worship him in spirit and in truth, it it gives a leeway for two things. You have a spirit. You have an a inner angel presence. And you have to worship in the spirit, but the Holy Ghost is what will allow you to also have cognizance in both the body and the spirit because it's a ghost. So when God... The ultimate God, the the invisible God of the first domain, which is a spirit realm where flesh and blood cannot go, wants to have a presence in the universe. He never goes there in his first presence because he is anti-atoms, anti-physical atoms anti physical If he just dared move his pure energy out into the universe in less than an instant, the whole universe would be destroyed, instantly would vanish. So he sends his Holy Ghost. And that's why it's so important. And you got to get it down. God is a spirit, and they that worship him. Someone says, I've been worshiping God. I doubt it. Someone said, well, I've been worshiping Jesus. Yeah, but you're not worshiping God. And I know this is going to be hard for you. What you are doing is you are worshiping Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. And Jesus said, my Father is greater than I. and the father of course is not the spirit of god but it's a higher rung than the body that jesus talk, took because the bible says jesus did not take the body of an angel which would have been a higher realm but he took on the seed of the body of abraham he took not abraham's body but his of his offspring You don't have to do much looking to follow the offspring of Abraham to see how wacky, how wacky and unconnected with high spirituality that the human being as an animal body is. You got to get it straight. I know you think you're right the way you are, but you're not. You don't hear this to get this straight. You're not right. You're not right. And you need to get right. You want the truth? It's got to come through. You must worship him in spirit and in truth or in Holy Ghost. That's how you have to worship. That's how you have to, to get through to God. Because you can only get through to God in the spirit you can never get through to God in the flesh Because flesh and blood can not flesh and blood can not flesh and blood Can not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the whole kingdom The kingdom of God that's within you is not it's in within your spirit And the only reason it's within the body is because your spirit is in your body. Because your body happens to be a prison house for the spirit. Because you were one of those that fell. Now that doesn't mean that you're a devil. Because there were two falls. The Bible says in the book of the 12th chapter of Revelations that the, the devil and his angels fell. And then in another case, the tail of the dragon cast one-third of the angels, which is a different group to the earth. People don't get it straight. They don't have it right. They get it so goofed up, they don't know if they're coming or going. And it's time to get it straight. It's time to know what's going on. So how does this all connect? Well, I'll tell you, it connects big time. In <clears throat> in Corinthians um, ten one it says, "I would not have you ignorant how that your fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea." Well, did you know that the baptism? One of the main things of the of the baptism, the water baptism, is has to do with resurrection. That's what it's about. Like when your fellow, when your physical body is emerged under the water, and you come up, that's symbolic of the resurrection. Though you know the flesh must decrease, the spirit must increase. And when the children of Israel walked through, you know, through, through the sea, Exodus 13, 21, and Exodus 14, 22. again, Exodus 13, 21, and Exodus 14, 22, there was a sea of waters that were like walls on both sides of them, and there was a froth, like a sprinkling that was coming down. And it was that froth and sprinkling that was coming down over the children of Israel that was their baptism. And the Bible says in Exodus sixteen fifteen. 15, well, let's, before I go there, let's just connect this still to the, to the first two scriptures I gave you. But it talked about them being baptized unto Moses in the cloud in the sea. Now Jesus you know in John 6:32 through 58 he says except you eat my flesh and drink my blood you can have it, not have a part of the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God So what was he talking about What was he talking about Well he was talking spiritually because in 1 Corinthians 10 14, it says they did all they did all drink the same spiritual drink, and they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Now that seems so strange, you know. Say, what? Why would Jesus Christ be following them? Well, Joshua 6:8. It describes that. When they were going around Jerusalem. Joshua 6, 8 says, And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of Ram's horn passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, followed them. And this was a beautiful, incredible thing of the seven trumpets representing the seven spirits of God. And beautiful, beautiful, important things. And was about rocks. Rocks are tomb-like. And they use rocks for headstones. Because that's something that is dead, something that is apparently dead. So, when God spoke to to Moses and he told Moses you know there was two cases there was two times in two different locations that there was a rock that was to be uh, given an action that would cause the water to come out of it and and would would supply drinking water for the people and their their flocks and their cattle and the first time god spoke to moses and he said strike the rock with the rod and water shall gush out and he did what he said and that was a different location from the next location which happened at petra and god said Speak to the rock. And the water shall come forth. And instead, Moses did the same thing that he did at the first location, which was a different location, which was at a different level of revelation. But he did the same because probably he thought that the speaking to the rock, they just wouldn't understand it. And so because he did not do that, He was not allowed to go into Canaan, into the promised land. And he still got rivers, it says in Psalms, that rivers came out of that rock. That rivers came out of that rock. That spiritual rock of Christ who was following them. Christ was involved in Selah In Petra, in the rock. And that was one of his names, was Rock of Ages. Janet Lee at the organ. mm mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you, Janet Lee. so great. Okay, in the book of um, Zechariah, chapter 3, verse 8. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at, for behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch, all in capital letters, For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua. Upon one stone shall be seven eyes. And behold, I will engrave the gravings thereof, saith the Lord of hosts. And I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. And in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall you call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. Now, The branch ministry is so important because without the branch ministry, you get stuck in a hole. You've got to be able to have this branching out. And branching out can be laterally and branching out can be vertically so that you can fill the level on which you stand in all directions, all dimensions, You also can go upward. And the stone is another way of saying rock. And it's got the connection to the seven eyes. The seven spirits of God. It's got the connection to the revelation that God is wanting to bring people into the spirit aspect so that they can be engraved by the seal of the Holy Ghost because it is definitely also involved in its descriptions about the olive, the olive tree and the kinds of fruitfulness that is all connected to this deep and abounding revelation of God. Well, there is so much. There is so much. So we have the two rock experiences that I mentioned. Two sila rock. One was at Horeb. And one was at the city of Kadesh. And There are scriptures for that. At Horeb you can find it in Exodus 17.6 and at Kadesh you can find it at Numbers 20.11 and you begin to connect to Matthew 26.26 and the drink of that spiritual rock that followed them is described by Jesus as blessing the bread, the body, and blessing the drink, the blood. Now we see the symbolic aspect of something that is bread, which represents the physical body, and something that is blood, which represents life, and that life is what connects us to the book of life, and the tree of life, which then connects us to eternal life, which never happens in a physical body, but only happens in a spirit body. And so then, we see how relevant and how important. And you get a chance to look up these scriptures, Psalm seventy-eight fifteen. It talks about how that out of that rock, that sea of rock, came streams and even rivers. Rivers. Now those rivers might have stood for people. When the water comes out of that rock, something that is dead is resurrected and brought to life. The waters represent the people. But it also has a different level meaning as a sustaining necessity that people have to have to drink to be able to live to keep alive in a physical body because Jesus says you must be born there's two ways you must be born of the flesh you must be born of the spirit so those are both requirements and the one that came first was the one that happened before this world was ever formed then came the need because of of the fall for there to be the birth in the flesh and then from that there to be the ultimate birth in the spirit again which is the recognizance and regeneration of those things of memory that have been lost and to take the cup and to drink that cup sometimes called the trembling cup first corinthians ten twenty one and 23 and verse 23 says, "All things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. Sometimes people decide that they want to get to some place before they're ready. Okay, well, I, I want right now then, to get into this spirit thing, be able to worship God in the Spirit. That's like trying to say, "Hey, I want to be able to speak Chinese right now. I just want to be able to open my mouth and start speaking Chinese. Well, you know, all things are possible but they're not always of the ness of of a case where they are expedient and there's a lot of things that could deeply be explained about what that means there's a learning process that is necessarily necessary like sometimes healing processes are necessary rather than just a miracle because a healing process can develop the immune system Whereas a miracle process heals at that time, but if it ever comes back because of negligence or whatever, you have not gained the you have not gained the protection by the immune system, whereas in the healing you could have that protection and he goes on he says, "All things are lawful to me, but not all things edify so we got." Things that can be lawful, but they're not expedient. Things that can be lawful, but they don't edify. And we've got to put this all in the proper application so that we know what we're talking about and we know where we're headed. So we got the two rock experiences. One at Horeb and one at Petra. Wow. Now, Last week we talked about the bones and I want to tell a little bit about an epiphany that I had. And I saw this little small looked like a rock rising up from out of the soil and it kept growing and growing until it formed a perfect sort of a tombstone monument. And On it was written something. And I thought, well, I want to see what that says. This is something unusual. And on it, it said, not here, left in the Exodus escape. And oh, that was such a beautiful epiphany. Not here. Left in the Exodus escape. You see, this Exodus escape, this dual covenant re- revelation of Esau and Jacob, this understanding about God in a way that he loves someone more and he loves someone else less. Not because he prefers to love someone more and someone less, but because he looks upon that person as to what they are in their potential, what they are at that time in their direction toward God in the willingness to be saved. And he loves those who want to be saved more than someone else wants to be saved or has more of the right reason for wanting to be saved and he loves him more for that. Well, we talked about in the announcement of the broadcast announcement part 20 about Moses, the report of flames over the Petra rock city of Selah. And we explained how that those flames had meanings. And I have an article here that I got from uh, uh, Wikipedia, Wikipedia, about two Petras, two Crusader period castles are known in and around Petra, Petra. Let me read it again. Crusader period castles are known in and around Petra. The first is Ru'a that's R-U-A-Y-R-A and is situated just north of Wadi Musa. Musa is a way of of, um, translation from Arabic meaning Moses and it can be viewed from the road to Little Petra. It is the castle of Valay, lay Mose, which was seized by a band of Turks with the help of local Muslims and only recovered by the Crusaders after they began to destroy the olive trees. According to Arab tradition, Petra is the spot where Moses struck a rock and his staff, and with his staff, water came forth. And it talks about it being close to a narrow valley, which Petra is sighted, and a mountain uh, top shrine of Moses and sister Miriam was not too far away. And I want to share some of these things with you because they're just so important. And we talked about that very deep and spiritual things that it said in the book of Habakkuk 3, 3 through 6, about Teman. We showed how that that was two nations representing two men, Jacob and Esau. We talked about Mount Sire or Seir, the second Sinai located in, the, in Arabia, uh, covenant of the offspring of Esau and uh, Israel is told you cannot possess that land. This is in the Bible. This has been saved for the people of the offspring of Esau and you cannot possess that. It's not part of the promised land. And then it talks about Paran. The Holy One came from Mount Paran, Selah. And we put that together. We don't separate the Paran from the Sela as far as it just being an extra word that's thrown in. We show that being connected. The Holy One came from Mount Paran Sela. We show then that Paran is part of the Sela. His glory, the clouds, we show to be Shekinah. And there are so many gorgeous things, Deuteronomy 33, 31 through 37, for their rock is not our rock. It's two different rocks, there's two different Petrus. Doesn't mean one's good, one's bad, but it's along that line of differentiation. One is a higher level, one's a lower level. And so, we go to the story. The children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Sucloth. And about 600,000 men, and infants were not a part of that number. MIV, Exodus twelve thirty seven, And then it says in King James also, and a mixed multitude went up also with them and flocks and herds and very much cattle the mixed multitude we showed and taught were the sea people and the high coast h-y-k-o-s people mixed multitude is mentioned in exodus 12:38, and they the soldiers baked unleavened cakes from the dough which they brought forth out of egypt but had no victuals of leaves because of the rush to, of, pardon me, no victuals of leaven because of the rush to exist or exit Egypt because during the Passover meal they were not allowed to have any leaven in their house, Exodus 1239. And a lamb offering was to be made and this was all part of the, of the plan that had to be made for what was called the Passover. And the angel of God went before them. Exodus 14, 19. Now, who were the Hycos And the Sea People? Well, they were considered foreigners. And uh, they were sort of like Asiatic people. And they never became Egyptians. But they did... Move over to Lower Egypt, and reach a point of population expansion, and and even a point to where their people begin to uh, to run and become like pharaohs and kings in Lower Egypt. (coughs) And there is history of these people having existed. So, there's not a question about that. It's very important to be aware of that. Josephus tells about a first exodus. And he connects it with, with Manetho, who was an Egyptian writer of history. And, and doesn't agree with, with uh, uh, Manetho, but I'll never account, but he has used some of his his um, history, and Joseph, Josephus, uh, jo- or Josephus, is, who was uh, Josephus Fabius, uh, identified the Israel Exodus with the first Exodus mentioned by Manetho, when some four hundred and eighty thousand Hyksos left the country. They call this the first exodus. Now, there is history that has been found, but you have to understand that the Egyptians did everything they could to erase all those histories and not leave those histories. And what we are showing is that when the children of Israel went harnessed out of Egypt, they split off into five different groups going different directions. But in order to camouflage that it wasn't all of their people going out to worship in the wilderness, they took with them these huge, long, big group, as the Bible said, and I read you the scripture, of, of foreigners which were the sea people and the high coast people. Now, it was very, very, very interesting and quite a smart move to do that because these people were very, very uh, talented people. For instance, the high coasts were known historically for bringing several technical improvements to Egypt. They taught cultural infusions. Uh, they introduced new musical kind of instruments. A lot of new words. They introduced new te- techniques of bronze, uh, of pottery, of new breeds of animals and new crops. In warfare, they introduced the horse and the chariot. The Egyptians didn't have ride horses. They didn't have chariots without the high coast. It was the high coast that introduced the horses and the chariots. They introduced the composite bow, improved battle axes, and all kinds of fortification techniques. It was because of these culture advances that the haiku's role was decisive for Egypt as they developed later empire armies. So we begin to see that the sea people also, which were part of this exodus, they had connections big time with shipping. They shipped on the Mediterranean, they shipped on the Red Sea. And this was part of the deal that enabled them, and them, I mean the, the people of the children of Israel to, to do this escape plot and to escape in different directions via the, the shipping connection with the sea people that was all part of the lower Egypt conglomerate where the Israelite people were. I said these things, well, I want to say them again till you really have it down. There's history for this. There's Bible for this. And it's very, very important to know how that God has a plan. And he shows us a way where there is no way. So, in the um, the Wikipedia, it tells how that all traces of the occupations of the high coasts were erased. All their history was erased that could be erased. So this isn't just supposition. They found proofs in some of the new archeological finds. Now, it's important to understand how then that Moses moved the Israelites in this harness plan and covered it up, and then they split off, and the sea people and the high coast people went on up and had ships that were ready to, for them and their cattle and moved on up toward Ethiopia and other nations in that area to sell their, their cattle and some of their other wares of, of trade. Now we remember that I was showing you that there was these um, different groups There was the Amorites, the, Amor, the Amorites, and the Amor, Amorites, okay, the Amorites is A-M-O-R-I-T-E-S, and they were the offspring of, of Canadianites, of Canaanites, pardon me. And um, then they were neighbors, to the, the Ammonites, which was the offspring of Lot. And the Mobites were also offsprings of Lot. One, the Mobites were of the older older daughter of Lot, and the the Ammonites, A-M-M-O-N-I-T-E-S, were of the younger uh, daughter offspring. And the Edomites were of Esau's offspring. And I read you, I think it was last week, in Numbers 20, 15, 18, the angel has led us forth out of Egypt, and behold, we are in Kadesh. So when people try to tell you that they couldn't have gone to Selah and met in Selah, in Petra, because the Edomites, or the Moabites, or the, The Amorites wouldn't have allowed it. Don't listen to what they're talking about. It's right in the Bible that they were there. And that's Numbers 20, 15 through 18, and also Numbers 21 through 4. The land of Edom reached near its border. Now, what was this all about, all of these young people? That went as soldiers, this over six hundred thousand of them that were Israelites, and they represented fathers, father ministry. Well, because that was the whole way that it went. Exodus six, four, heads of the father's house, and ten six, thy fathers. And Numbers seventeen six and twenty-six two, the old and upward throughout their father's house. And Numbers 32, 14 through 22, risen up in your father's house instead. And Numbers 31, 26, chief fathers. This thing of the father ministry has to be understood. If you don't get into that and understand that, then you're missing the whole thing about what Jesus said when he said, here's how you're to pray when you pray. My Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now don't ever get the idea that the way it is on earth as being physical beings is the way it's going to be in heaven where the God of all gods is, the ultimate invisible God, because that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the heavens that are the heavens of the universe, the cosmos. So there are parallels between the earth, which is part of the universe, by the way, and the solar system is part of the universe, and that there are other heavens and other spaces in this big, huge, vast universe. And God is saying, as it, as it is on earth, so is it in other places in the universe. And one of those other places was described in John 14. In my father's house, which was the father's planet. And in the 10th chapter, this was the, the children of the offspring of Enoch, which, be, were, which were part of the Melchizedek family. That had no genetic connection to the Abrahamic fold, because the Bible says the tenth chapter of, of John. It, it was a it, it was a, another fold, not of this fold, not of the Abrahamic fold. And very, very clearly, the Bible gives the scriptures of these. Um, of the day coming when these angels would come and and, and and these other fold would visit the earth. The Lord comes with tens of thousands of his angels. First Timothy five twenty-one. The holy city, sacred place, the Father's house. The sacred place, John fourteen, one through six, the tens of thousands. The two thousand, the the twenty thousand Psalms, sixty-eight, seventeen, and Deuteronomy thirty-three, one, two. I read these to you last week. The tens of thousands, which is not just one one group of ten thousands, but there's more than one group. So you got at least the twenty thousand that was told about in the sixty eighth chapter of Psalms, and we got this father's connection, and all of the many, many scriptures. That a person should look up. Oh, there are so many. When Jesus said in John 13, 1 through 3, I depart out of this world to the Father's house. To the Father. He was still going to be in this world. He wasn't going to the first domain, the heaven of heavens. He was going to the heavens... But not the heaven of heavens, which is the first domain, which is a totally spirit realm. And there is no physical aspect there. And this was all connected to the incredible revelation of the rod ministry, the Father's ministry. The generation of the Adam book of life. We've been talking about these things. Genesis 30, 39-41. Exodus seventeen twelve. All of these incredible revelations, Numbers 17, 2 through 9 and 17 6, how that all the fathers each had a rod, and the rod represented the father ministry. And even Jesus is described in, in Isaiah 11, 1 and a rod shall come out of the stem. Jeremiah 10:16, Israel is the rod of his inheritance ezekiel nineteen fourteen fire out of the rod got the holy ghost and fire you got you got all these connections to the rod all this, these things that moses and that aaron did with a rod was all tied into the harness harness revelation of the father's ministry it's beautiful why do we need the manifest peace bible why must it be finished why must it be published ladies and gentlemen because all of these revelations and many, many more that you have never heard are in that Bible. And we need you to stand by us and to pray for us for a miracle because it's going to take a miracle to get that, it done. I need to be able to put you know, a team on it. I used to, when I had my own business, I would pay and, and, and put out a lot of money. I probably in my in we have estimated that i may have spent as much as a million and a half to two million dollars in the 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 expense of all the writings that we have collected and and recorded and videos on all of that and what we did get done we don't need that kind of money now i'm sure nothing like but we but we it's going to take it's going to take some funds. This revelation is the Holy Ghost truth. It's the kind of truth that is not like other kind of truth. It's at the highest level, the hundredfold manifestor level. You can only understand what the Bible means in Isaiah 63.3 when it says all Israel to be saved. You can only understand that if you understand what that how does that all works and how I last week I showed in Isaiah 30 and 15 how that that um, and also in Jeremiah 15 through 17 that by returning in rest which is to sleep that is how they're going to get saved Romans 11 26 all Israel shall be saved check out Isaiah 45 17. And then there came the time when they were finished with Petra. They had met at Petra. What happened? Well, all of these people that left out of Egypt that did not go with the army, that did not go with Moses and Aaron and Miriam, but went in different, some went on the route, going to, on the Mediterranean. Some went down that that highway. Straight to, in, in, into Canaan. And probably some even w- decided to go up the Red Sea. It'd be a long way around, but I mean, when you're talking to lots of people, you've got to split it up in different directions. And those people were all assigned different times to meet. And where were they going to meet? They were going to meet at Selah. That's where the plan was to meet, to meet at Selah. That's why you hear some of the prophets and they use that word Selah. It's, it, it, has, it has power to it. It has energy to it. It's an invoking type of word. It invokes and stimulates and turns on. And they removed from Kadesh and pitched in Mount Hor at the edge of the land of Eden because they were getting ready to go on down, on down north. And Moses was told one of his jobs was going to be to eradicate the last of the giants, to get rid of them. And he did. And we see that that there's revelation about Mount Sire, S E I R, and that's located in southern Jordan, where the city of Petra is located. And it this is this has been a, 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 an area where the forces of darkness have fought. Ezekiel thirty-five tells about how that you know God has judgment that He's brought. Against that place. They say Paran not yet found. The Sinai Peninsula, El Paran, described in Genesis fourteen six. Another word for Edom is, is that very word, S-E-I-R, Seir. And in Deuteronomy 33, 1 through 3, it says, And the Lord came from Sinai. And rose up from Seir. And he shined forth from Mount Paran. And in Habakkuk 3.3, 3, God came from Teman, the Holy One, from Mount Paran. And dawned over them from Seir. And came with myriads of Holy Ones. Ladies and gentlemen, the South Country, Kadesh Barnea. Garnia, Petra, Deuteronomy 1, 19 to 20, and 40, verse 44. The Edomites, the Amorites, Deuteronomy 3, 8, Numbers 36, 13, Deuteronomy 32, 49. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy 4, 2, 4, 4, 2 do not add or diminish this word. Says that in Revelation 22, 10. It's got to be Right you got to know the whole truth. And nothing but the truth. Because you'll, you won't get it right if you don't. Wow. And so what do we have going? Well here's some things it said about Selah. Isaiah 16.1.2 Send lambs as a tribute to the ruler of the land. From Selah across the desert. To the mount of the daughter of Zion. Like fluttering birds. Pushed from the nest. So are the women of Moab. At the forts. Of the Ar- Arnon. A-R-N-O-N. Isaiah. Oh that by the way. Is in the NIV Bible. Isaiah 42. 10-11. through 11. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise. From the ends of the earth. You who will go. Down to the sea. And all that is in it. You islands and all that live in them. Let the desert and its towns raise voices. Let the settlements where Kedar lives rejoice. Let the people of Sila sing for joy. Let them shout from the mountaintops. This desert place, Sila, is a location near Petra. Located approximately 50 miles. 80 kilometers. Due south of the eastern side of the Dead Sea. Wow. There is so much, ladies and gentlemen. Did you know that Petra was named as one of the seven wonders of the world? And I think a week or two ago I mentioned it. And how it says before you die, that's one of the places you should see. But it's even more important to know this truth. It's even more important to have this revelation. In the Nabatean, inscriptions, which were some of these people that lived in those areas and built them up and were there when the Romans took over. They were using names like Allah and L, E L. E-L. Some of the names similar to what is still used today. And it's so important to realize that. And what were these flashes that they saw? What was the sounding of the thunders and the clouds? Well, they were flashes of the fast moving of ziths. and The sounding of the elements as they moved through the elements. And the smoke was the Shekinah glory. Dear brothers and sisters, the resurrection is tied in to this whole thing of the rock. It's tied into it at Horeb and Sinai, at the two places of the covenant, from Beersheba in in Judah, all of the way across to the Euphrates River. Mount Sinai being covered with smoke, Shekinah glory, and the Lord descended in the fire, descended in love, the Holy Ghost and fire, is the Holy Ghost and love. And the very word Kadesh, K A D E S H, means holy. And there are wider applications and deeper transfers to all these meanings. And the Bible says in Psalms 29, 1 through 6, the voice of the Soundtron, the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh, Petra. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calf. Discovereth the forest, and in his temple doth everyone speak his glory. God wants you to be able to speak this kind of glory. Psalms 29, 7 through 9. It is a sacred, beautiful, glorious thing. Paul is said to have gone to Selah when he went into the desert to find God after his conversion. Ezekiel fled, not Ezekiel, but Elijah, rather, fled to Selah, escaped Jezebel, who wanted to kill him. I'm just about finished here. Hang and hold. This revelation of Seir, S-E-I-R, is a word that's what the Edomites were called. But it's part of a covenant. It's part of a different aspect of Selah that branches out. And it's tied into the Song of Solomon, two, one through two, two, one through two. I am the rose of Sharon, as a lily among the thorns. O my dove, that art in the clefts of the rock, in the secret place of the stairs. Wait until the daybreak. And the shadows have flown away. Ah. Another name for Petra and for Sila is the Rose, the city called the Rose City. But you know that that is also, that whole Sila is also called the city of the dead because these people are buried in those rocks there. And... It's about the resurrection, the water coming out of the rocks. Like when Jesus said, It is finished, the Bible says that the graves opened. All right. We don't forget the two Zions, Galatians 4, 28 through 26, and the two covenants. And don't forget, as I close here today, my last reading. They that wait upon the Lord, they shall mount up with wings as an eagle. Could the pillar cloud angels of the Exodus escape? Have taken up a whole army of Israelites and transported them in a suspended state that they could not even be cognizant of? Of course, the Archangel transports it spacecraft are miles long and miles wide in measurements. Is this parallel to the transport of additional animals that were saved in addition to Noah's Ark during the time of the flood, of course? Is this part of what it means in Exodus 19, For I bared you up on eagle's wings and brought you unto myself? And part of the meanings of Acts 10, 11 and 11 through, five, through 10, 5, 11 5 through 10 Acts 10 11 and 11 5 through 10 how that there were certain vessels that had a sail that were like parachutes lowering down these animals some of them wild some of them huge it's all part of the story and Jesus is involved in it because Jesus was that rock he was that rock of salvation the rock of the ages he was the one that said, no man will take my life from me, but I lay down my life that I may take it up again. And the Bible says as he was there, he said two things. It is finished, and he gave up the ghost. The body gave up the ghost, and as it was given up the ghost, the body cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why are you leaving my body? Why, where are you going? Uh... I love Jesus. Jesus is our savior, he's our Lord, our God, our master. May God bless you and keep you. Janet at the organ.